and welcome back to the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host and beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning to our new and returning listeners. I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. It's Monday. It is Monday. It was a unusually busy baseball Sunday, and we have a lot to get to today. We have a really great show planned for you. We have some games to recap from yesterday, and we have now reached the All-Star break. And so we thought it would be a good idea to quickly recap some of the standings because there's been some moves as we have headed to the break with a flurry. Some teams have been Moved jumping up. and falling in the standings, and we're here to let you know all about it. All right. And also, last night, we had the MLB draft which is they've sort of moved it to become a part of All-Star Weekend, which I really like, you know. Yes. Um, it, it, it seems like you get to just kind of celebrate baseball for a second. Everyone gets to take a breath and breathe for a second. So, Do you uh, remember I, when it was prior to this You change? know, I don't. This has really been a big change in, in baseball from when I was a kid. The, the baseball draft was always considered a boring event. And one of the reasons for that, though, is understandable because these high school kids and, and everyone drafted last night does not have to sign mm-hmm. with the team that drafted them if they're unable to reach. Yeah, I was surprised deal. about that. I thought that's what they pick and they have to sign it with that. They team. basically just own the rights to sign that person right now. That person can ultimately refuse and re-enter the draft. Okay, but next year, not this year, obviously. Not yeah, exactly. And obviously the higher your pick, the more financial like uh bonus you're given to start your your life. And obviously that helps transition into professional baseball. If you have a little nest egg sitting there, you can you don't have to go make any money anywhere else in the off seasons or anything. Sure. You can just work on your game. That's what they drafted you for. So anyways, we watched the draft and we will be letting you guys know uh what we saw. Okay. And then we have the Home Run Derby tonight, which it's different from when I was a kid, but the the rules are changed a little bit, and there's a bigger prize pool of money this year, actually, because of the collective bargaining agreement. So that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the winner, though, walks away with a cool million tonight. So. Oh, wow, nice. Do they get to keep it, or do they have to donate? I think they keep the million, okay. actually, because I think the prize pool allows for money to already be donated. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, without further ado, let's get right into it here. We had some games going on yesterday. Obviously, one of the big series we were watching was uh, Padres-Mets because of the, uh, well, we called it the most expensive wins teams, I guess. The teams that are paying the most per win right now, probably in all of baseball, are the Mets and Padres, Mm -hmm. and they are both sucking it up to say the least, this season. They're both going into the All-Star break under 500. Woohoo! And I, I predicted before this series started that whoever won this series was going to be the team that might contend for a playoff spot. Okay, so you want to say might. Okay. Now, Max Scherzer looked awful yesterday. And if you'll remember, I said on yesterday's show that Max had let slip to a reporter that he was like, I, I'll waive my no-trade clause, you know. And he looks like he doesn't care about the Mets at all. And that's sad that anyone making $43 million a year at their job can't find a little bit of reason to care. Nevertheless, he hasn't had a bad season. He's 8-3. No. His ERA is just really high. You know, So you know he's gotten knocked around a little bit in some starts. Yeah. He's 39, so he's got 
some baggage with him. Absolutely. You know? But he doesn't look like the old Max Scherzer. Whether that's the team or him personally, it's hard to tell. I can see him like not caring for the Mets the way they have been playing. Yeah, I feel like he's a guy that kind of thrives off of winning energy, mm -hmm. you know? So when your team is struggling not, yeah. and, and not on the winning side of things, I think you see the other side of that come out, which is frustration, lashing out, and, and just, uh, you know, at, at his age, too, he probably has a desire to be playing on more of a competitive team mm -hmm. at this point because he doesn't have a lot of bullets left in the, in the gun, so to speak. Yeah, he wants to be on the team that is successful. That's why he came to the Mets, too, Yeah, in, in, a, in a sense, and everyone thought they were going to be the cream of the crop in the NL this year right there with the, the Padres, you know, when you look at those two teams on paper. On paper. That's the key word. It is. Uh, anyways, the Padres were able to take two out of three. I thought that was a huge kind of last week for them after they really, I don't I don't mean to say this, they really shit the bed the week before with the Pirates series. I, I hope they don't look back on that and regret it. Well, Nevertheless, it's all in the past now. Yeah. The, the important thing was is they swept the Angels and they won two out of three against the Mets here to kind of, you've won five out of six now heading into the break. When you come back from the break, Padres, you have the Phillies and then things get a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but man That's, manageable. Yeah. Uh, we are on a clock before the all trading deadline at this point now yes. which is where I feel like the reason I'm talking about the Padres is like out of all the teams we're going to talk about besides the Cubs maybe the Padres have the biggest like leap to make if they want to get in this yeah they got to get this winning streak that we are talking about a way to win more than four games in a row exactly so nevertheless that's what went down in Southern California this weekend if we want to shift our attentions now to the east coast it was really fun just to see the Yankees and the Cubs playing each other this weekend. And the Cubs, though, took two out of three and, and knocked the Yankees hitting coach out of the out of the game. The, out of the, the job. Yankees hit, hitting coach was fired after the game yesterday. That's obviously a kind of throw under the bus. But whether the Cubs contributed to it, we don't know. But it's, it's just a little days. playful joke there. Yeah. Uh, nothing serious was meant by that comment. So please, please don't take it that way. Nevertheless... The Cubs, two out of three against the Yankees, and some signs of life. When you look at the NL wildcard standings in particular right now, you will see that the Cubs and Padres are separated by a half a game. They are six and six and a half games out, respectively, followed by the Mets at seven and the Pirates at eight. I think after that, everyone is out. Cardinals, Washington, Colorado. I know every year we say, oh, the Cardinals will get back in. If they're 14 games under 500. That, that's a big, big, big mountain to climb. You know, they're 10 games behind the Padres, you could argue. Yeah, um, I don't see San 14 Luis. under versus four under. That's mm -hmm. for as bad as San Diego and the Mets have played. They're, they're nowhere near St. Louis bad. So well, San Luis was bad from the get-go. They had one, like, moment of recovery when they, like, benched Contreras and, like, made this big spectacle. And then all of a sudden the team kind of started playing well again. And then, then, and then everyone drunk. was like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine here. And then it, it slowly went back to the other way. I think it all goes back to all the drama that they had in the outfield. It spilled over to other positions. I think they questioned maybe as players, like, the direction of the team a little bit. Mm -hmm. When it was like, oh, why do we have all this overabundance of outfielders? And, like, why don't we have stronger players at other positions yeah. necessarily? One note about the Cardinals, I will say, is it, it sounds like Paul DeYoung might be on the trading block. So look for him to possibly move before the month is out. And the Cardinals, who were playing the White Sox yesterday, they need to sell their whole damn team. The White the, Sox, too. Yeah, at least according to White Sox fans. So we'll, we'll keep an eye 
get a clean slate from the get-go. Yeah. Just a little preview here. I think on Wednesday we talked about we're going to, you know, sort of go through the state of the the standings right now across baseball a little bit more in depth and and maybe talk about who is going to really be selling here and who might be buying and try to make some guesses sense out of all of this cuz it's a really crazy baseball year. And there's a lot of moving parts. Things change so quickly sometimes within a week. Well, speaking of changing quickly, the AL West has been changing very quickly yes. before our eyes. The Mariners took 3 out of 4 in Houston, which I was like, "Wow." And they leapfrog the Angels who just as we mentioned yesterday, uh they they didn't even limp into the All-Star break. They just called the ambulance in my opinion one at nine in their last 10 going into the all-star break including a, a loss a sweep loss in san diego and at the dodgers so uh things did not end well for the angels of los angeles obviously if you follow the show you know that trout and anthony rendon are on the shelf right now and otani has the the finger issue with his pitching hand so he's still hitting home runs and triples but it's not been enough for the Angels to net any in the win column. And boy, oh boy, the Shohei Otani trade story is not going to go away anytime soon. So buckle up. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. We're not going to talk about it right now that we have nothing new to add that we haven't added already to the conversation. But I'm just going to say buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy road. And he's going to get asked about it tomorrow. You watch. And I, I, uh, media. Yeah. Angels lost nine out of ten last ten games. Yeah, and including their last five in a row. Yeah. You know? So they are, like I said, they didn't even limp into the All-Star break. They called the ambulance and just said, like, take me. Okay, well, Mariners, in the meanwhile, have leapfrogged the Angels and have put some pressure on Houston. They are now four games out of the wild card, the Mariners. Uh, the Angels, we should mention, only five games out of the wild mm-hmm. card, but, you know, just not trending in the good direction in those injuries. So concern very concerned meanwhile we have the yankees and have fallen out of the wild card after the cubs beat them two out of three that toronto is now holding on to that last spot by a game boston only two games behind boston every team in the al east boston five games above 500 they won you know? just five in a row too yeah, are- i remember there was a time though that they were teetering like around mm-hmm. 500 back and forth a little bit below now they've now they've opened that up a little bit, and so like every team in the AL East is just really getting strong. better. The time goes on, they're getting better as a team, and they get yeah. Well, and so all I really wanted to say about this is, as time goes on, and Judge stays out of the lineup, you may see a New York Yankees team finishing last this year. You just might now. Would they be sellers? The Yankees will be buying at the Yikes. trade, and it'll be interesting that you know I, I wonder who they got their eyes on. Show sure. Could you imagine it? Yes, oh I can. Only in America, right? I can imagine. I can see Otani going to Yankees. They got you the money. Have they got the market. Judge and Otani. Oh, my God. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Okay. Well, that will leave you with that thought. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Rays next. The Rays ended their seven-game losing streak. I can't believe we're saying that. The best team in the American League had lost seven games in a row up to yesterday. To another best team. Yeah, they managed to salvage one against the NL's best, the Braves. Uh, I was kind of surprised the Braves didn't just sweep them. They've been playing so damn good. They said, here, take one, just so you don't cry about it. Yeah, I mean, I got to figure that this is, unlike the Angels, this is probably a good thing for the Rays, you know, that they didn't have this losing streak hanging over their heads now 
for a week. So yeah, that's probably a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. Are the Rays going to make it? I don't know. Baltimore has not gone away. They're they're remaining only two games back. But what's interesting about that is they're tied with losses. So the Orioles and the Rays both have the same amount of lost games. The Rays have just played more games than Baltimore mm-hmm. because of rainouts and, and such. You don't get rainouts in Tampa. So that's interesting to me. I am going to boldly predict that the, the Orange Birds are going to win the AL East. I, I, I said that there was a chance that they might catch them by the All-Star break, and I could make an argument that I was right. They, they caught could them have. in the loss column. Right. That is like... But also, if they didn't get rained out, those four games, because they are four games behind Tampa Bay, that could play into it. Well, they, have- they are going to have to make up those games before it's all said and done. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where those games come from, who they have to play. And, and again, we can start to look into this stuff now that we have no games to cover for a few days, and we might be able to like sort of dig out some of this information. So mm-hmm. I see my lovely co-host over there writing down some notes and... Yes, I'm writing this bold prediction of yours in the Red Book. <laughs> prediction. And you're writing my bold predictions down. Yes. All right. Well, look, we got a couple more games to get through sure. from yesterday. I wanted to mention that the Brewers, despite the fact that Ellie De La Cruz dominated the headlines over the weekend with his stealing of home, the Brewers were actually the ones that won that series and took two out of three from the Reds. Um, now, the Reds are still in first place, uh, I think, by just a game. Yes. One. And as we mentioned at the beginning of this series, these two teams are are playing each other right again, right after the All-Star break. So Starting ready. Friday. Buckle up. Rock them, sock them, duke them. Yep. July um, 14th. That's when And this will be in Cincinnati back. this time. And you know that the Great American Ballpark is going to be rocking. Oh, yeah. So buckle up. Reds, Brewers, everybody. Next on Friday. This Friday, yes. All right. And then a couple quick notes about the NL West, our favorite division. We wanted to make note that it is now the Dodgers that are in first place after much of the time this season has been spent with the Diamondbacks in first place. The Diamondbacks dropped four out of six in their last week. They got swept by the Mets before they came to the San Diego. But the Mets sweep the Diamondbacks, and then the Diamondbacks take two out of three from the Pirates, but they dropped the finale yesterday 4-2 uh, to two in a game that was tied, I believe, in the eighth inning or so. So dropped that game at home, and that's uh, they're skidding a little bit. I, I, I feel like the Diamondbacks are have cracks in the armor. Mm-hmm. This interested. is it for the Diamondbacks. What you have right now, this is it. They don't have somebody waiting to take somebody else's place. Yes, they are you know, bullpen guys and whatnot, but they don't have like a unit yeah. waiting in the corner. I, I want to look at, I want to take a harder look at like uh, their AAA roster actually. Okay. I want to see if if that argument holds enough weight. When you look at the AAA roster on a lot of teams, it, it, it's generally considered an extension of the 40-man roster. So you have a lot of like moving parts, especially on the back end of your roster, like your your bullpen guys. Some of them will be heading back and forth between mm-hmm. AAA and the majors. And and those guys know that heading into the season probably. They've, they've been in communication with the team and you never know when there's going to be injuries and a need and, and all that stuff. So having said all that, I want to see if this comment and this argument that we've been making, if the Diamondbacks are 
thin mm -hmm. when it comes to their their prospects right now. The reason we suspect that a lot is because a lot of their young players are playing on the big league team and, and has been one of the reasons for their success. You know, guys like Alec Thomas are solid. Obviously, everyone knows Corbin Carroll, the all-star. He's, he's very solid. So anyhow, the Diamondbacks limp into the all-star break just a little bit, losing four out of six this week. And now the Dodgers are in first and... San Francisco is two and a half back of Arizona. So very interesting things happening in the NL West. I, I feel like, oh man, I'm probably going to get in trouble or, or I'll probably get some hatred for saying this, but like, this is just my opinion. You know, uh, the Diamondbacks and the Giants have been playing a little bit out of their depth. You know, if you take away that big winning streak from the Giants... I don't think they're ahead of the Padres right now. And 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 in all fairness, the past is the past, but the that that Padres Giants series, you know, there was moments in that series that went the Giants way. Mm -hmm. There was plays at home plate that were very questionable. Yes. That changed momentum in at games. At least two, if I remember correctly. Well, there was two that week and with Texas and the White Sox and the Giants and the Padres mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. But really tough breaks, I would say, uh, on the road. Not going to excuse some really bad, I would call, managerial bullpen usage during that series as well. So that was a really tough stretch. And you take that away, now the Diamondbacks, I mm -hmm. feel like, sort of flew under the radar the first half of the season because they no one expected them to be here. But now you're coming out of the break. Now all of a sudden there's going to be expectations on you. Corbin Carroll, a rookie, a young player, there's going to be big expectations on you. And, you know, you just be very curious to see how a, a young team responds to that because it's going to be pressure. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying I don't think it's a for sure thing. And you look at the other side of the division with the Padres and the veterans that they have, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs or anything for sure, but they have to play these teams a lot still. We have games with the Giants and the Diamondbacks coming up, and all I'm saying is if we're on the better end of things, if Manny Machado looks like his back isn't broken, <laughs> he has the last week, I, I would say that those teams are in trouble. So I think this week of rest will help every team to reassess where they at and see what extra pieces they need to acquire mm -hmm. them before the deadline. The Dodgers are gonna want a pitcher. A lot of teams gonna want pitchers, especially um, bullpen pitchers. If the Angels trade Otani, he's going to LA or New York. He's going to the Dodgers or the Yankees, I think. The Dodgers just have so much depth in their farm system. We'll break this all down this week. We gotta move on. Yeah. We spent a lot of time here on the standings and, and whatnot, but really quick, just to recap where we're at. Right now in the NL, Atlanta, the Dodgers, and Cincinnati are leading their divisions respectively. And in the wild card, it's Miami and then Arizona and San Francisco. And there's Arizona and Miami pretty much neck and neck there. And Philadelphia and Milwaukee right outside, only a half a game out of the wild card. So you got both of those teams. And we haven't talked about the Phillies a lot, but the Phillies have been playing a lot better baseball. They got Bryce Harper moving to first base. We'll get to see that up close and personal right away out of the all-star break with the Padres playing the Phillies in that NLCS rematch from last year. Yeah, so, Phillies definitely try to shake things up with their team. Yeah, they're moving Schwarber out of the outfield. They 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 view him as a liability there Yeah, and probably going to improve their team. So, all right. Uh, and then over in the AL, it is Tampa Bay, Texas, and now Cleveland leading the divisions respectively and with Baltimore Houston and Toronto, as we said, in the wild card spots. Yankees a game out, Boston two games out, Seattle four games out, and the Angels trending downward at five games out. And Minnesota, Minnesota also five games out, but I'm writing them off. And everyone else in the AL is out of it, in my opinion. That's that. So that's where the state of the standings are now. 
It will be a very interesting month. We will be back here Wednesday. We'll be recapping the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby, but also, you know, as on Wednesday and on Friday's show, we'll, we'll probably be looking at these standings a little bit more closely and, and trying to figure out who are the buyers and who are the sellers. All right. Well, it is time to move on to the MLB 2023 draft, which happened last night. And uh, as we said before, we were really excited to see this become kind of a part of All-Star Weekend and televised even. I was telling Nika last night that this wasn't a televised event when I was a kid. It's generally considered boring by a lot of people, but they've done a really good job, in my opinion, of making it more of an exciting event. You know, these live camera feeds of the the kids with their families and, and seeing their reaction, it's really fun. And then the players that do make the trip up to the draft itself, they, they get their jersey put on and taking the picture up just like the nba and the nfl now and then they they go off shuttled off the stage and it's like all right go talk to harold yeah yeah Uh, go talk and i I harold reynolds now i do want to say if you watched the draft on espn (laughs) terrible i don't know i cannot stand the espn and i i have to deal with it tonight now with the the home run derby but i'm not a big fan of espn or espn's baseball crew in general so they do suck but I always tell Nika, like, I know that all the talking heads can be a little douchey at times. Working in the industry and, and on the other side of things, you you kind of know why that is a little bit. But at the same time, I always say the MLB douchebags are our douchebags. <laughs> so I mean no offense by that MLB douchebags, by the way. It's all talking heads to me. It's like you're, you're manufacturing content. I get it. But nevertheless, you're our douchebags. So I enjoyed your presentation of the draft last night. And I love the enthusiasm, you know. Like, it didn't seem fake to me you guys really love this you guys really love welcoming these new kids literally into the game this is their first time they can officially say that you know they're major league baseball material in a sense yes and there was a lot of kids i remember somebody mentioned that this draft had a lot of depth because of the covid situation how everything Mm -hmm. got pushed and some of the kids had to wait a year or two in order to get to the draft or more second time around. Yeah, the draft. we're still seeing the effects of that, basically, mm-hmm. because some kids lost like their senior seasons of high school yeah. and, and or, you know, freshman seasons of college. And... Or decided to go to school instead of to a draft from high school. Right. So now I kind of wanted to talk about a couple of the, the rule changes before we get into the actual picks. So this was the first draft with the new collective bargaining agreement and MLB doesn't want teams tanking games to like jockey for pick position if you will so it's cheating they, it used to be if you had the worst record you got the best pick and it like lined up mathematically from there like if you like were football. second worst you got the second pick and blah 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 so on and so forth like football well I guess so yeah okay I guess that's how it works now Football is a little bit harder to manipulate because there's less games. Yes. Now, when you have 162 games versus 16, it becomes a lot easier to start manipulating that stuff over time. So nevertheless, what they've done is they've instituted a draft uh, draft lottery for the first time, and I am all for that. Mm-hmm. And so what wound up happening is Pittsburgh got the number one pick, even though they were not necessarily the worst team in baseball last year. Okay, and then the other big rule change that's happened is that in between round one and two, uh, there was 28 picks in round one last night. And I think it's because two teams, the Mets were one of them, went way over the luxury tax threshold. So they forfeited their first round picks. It might have been the Yankees too. I didn't see the Yankees make a pick last night. They Wouldn't be surprised after. if it was those two teams though. I thought they went after the Padres, number 26. but Oh, they did. You're right. Thank you. 
Okay, well, I, I don't know what team it was then. I'll have to look. Nevertheless, so there was 28 first-round picks, and then the rule change, though, was that there was what's called compensation picks. So MLB is trying to eliminate the what's called manipulation time. A very famous example that I know of with this that's happened in the last decade was uh, Chris Bryant on the Cubs. The Cubs called him up to the professional top team like one or two weeks after the season started but because they did that they got a whole extra year of him under contracts rights mm -hmm. it, it, it was a thing they did to manipulate it versus if he would have started the season on the big league team they wouldn't have gotten this extra season of him mm -hmm. it prevents them this is the old agreement and the players union has fought very hard to get rid of this because rightfully so it's I like you're getting a whole extra year of control of me as a player for two weeks that doesn't seem fair you know so now basically what they've done and so i'll switch to another example and and why you see seattle mariners got two compensation picks they got 29 and 30 and why did they get those picks well one of them is from julio rodriguez he started the season last year on the big league team game one out of the gate he was promoted and when you do stuff like that now they're gonna they're gonna reward you as a franchise mlb they're gonna say okay you didn't manipulate this guy's service time so we're giving you an extra pick as a reward like it's, and a it's not like a yeah. it's not like a top 10 pick or anything but it's also not like a seventh rounder you know, you're getting like right after the first rounders are gone. So, I mean, look, the players are found at deep spots. Mike Trout was drafted 25th. You know, they don't know. They don't. It's all predictions. You, you know? just want to get your hands on as many pieces of talent as possible. And then you have pieces them, to right? trade in the future when your team is in it that one year. You have all this. You can try and develop players that you want to keep in your franchise and in your organization and start to build a team of depth. It's like ammunition for trades and for deals to be made later. Absolutely. And you look at teams like the Dodgers and, and it's like, oh, how do they always have guys that are just ready to come in and fill the holes that they need? Because they do stuff like this really well mm -hmm. on draft day, you know? Now that I'm thinking about it, the Dodgers might be that other team that didn't draft a guy last night, did they? Looking through my notes here, but that would make sense. They are one of the big spenders. Well, I think I'm right. I don't see the Dodgers in my top 28 picks. So You're right. The Dodgers were not the team that picked, even though they showed them yesterday because I, I pointed out to their room, the suit room. They were wearing nice blue shirts. They didn't look like uh, car salesmen in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that now. Okay. Well. Nevertheless, that was wanted to point out these new kind of rules and, and why some teams got a lot of picks. Like the Mariners got four yesterday. Yeah, they drafted four new players. Thought I would just explain that really quick in case anyone was confused. But moving on to the draft, I guess the next biggest thing to point out was these. Well, we had the top 10 picks and the first pick overall was uh, Paul Skeens. And Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz, his teammate, were taken one and two. And that was the first time that college teammates have been taken number one and two in the MLB draft. And they history. were both from Louisiana State. Yes. Oh. LSU. The Tigers. Oh. The LSU Tigers. Dylan Cruz is a center fielder. He was said to be a face of the franchise type player and a line-to-line -line hitter, a five-tool player. That's speed, throwing arm, fielding, hitting, and hitting for power if you don't know what the five tools are. And he has said that he is going to be quick to the big leagues. So look out for Dylan Cruz maybe next year. We'll see. Maybe the year after. Well, we'll it's keep you posted on when you can get the Dylan Cruz rookie card, of course. 
<laughs> I know. But I wanted to go back to the Pirates and mm-hmm. Paul Skeens really quick because I, I watched him pitch. He looks great. I think he's going to be a, a good pitcher. He His hips are really quick when it comes to twi- turning his hips, mm-hmm. generating a lot of speed with that fastball. But apparently this dude can hit a little bit, and it was... They asked him last night, like, if he's going to be show high, and he says, I don't know yet. It's it's a, a theme that you're going to see here in this draft, but um, the Shohei Otani effect is here. We can't talk about anything in baseball anymore without talking about Shohei because, well, we have discussions of two-way players during this draft going on, and that is a rarity in and of itself. Yes, we heard couple players possibly being a two-way player, and one definitely drafted as a yeah. two-way player. Well, I wanted to point out the Giants now. The Giants have drafted two players in their system that are two-way players. Mm-hmm. They had the 16th pick yesterday. They, they took Bryce Eldridge, and, and the interesting thing about Bryce is he's not even college yet. He, he's a prep player. He, he's only done this in high school, but he was drafted yesterday as specifically as a two-way player. He wants to do this, and the Giants are on board to let him. And what's really interesting about this is it's the second player now that the Giants have drafted who is a two-way player. The other one is Reggie Crawford. He They drafted him last year with the 30th pick. So they have two two-way players. So now players they have right two now. two-way players in their farm system. Are the Giants going to go after Shohei Otani? Maybe. That was my speculation. I think uh, it's possible. I think, yeah, I, I think Shohei is going to stay on the West Coast. And I think the Mariners, uh, the Giants, and the probably Dodgers. the Dodgers, and, and maybe maybe the Padres, but I think they're a dark horse at this point. I think they would be the favorites to sign Shohei Otani. Or the Angels going to resign him. Or the Angels, yeah. I mean, but I think he stays out West. I really do. Okay. And I think the Giants are going to say, hey, we want you to come in and be, be a role mentor yeah. slash role model figure for these two. Yeah, I can see that. And we want to have all three of you on our big league club hitting and pitching. But where do you put them all? You can't DH all three of them. Breaking news here. Breaking news. Uh, text message from Papa Shehoin. My dad says I would make one hell of an uh, MLB umpire. <laughs> now, I, I would prefer to just criticize the umps i don't i don't want to be the one i don't want to be being yelled at I, I i don't think that would be a good position for me i would yell back yeah yeah you you'd be better off as a coach okay well the other thing is i should mention about reggie crawford from the giants their picked last year is he had tommy john surgery when they drafted him so they've been very careful with the schedule now this is the last thing i want to say about two-way players and then i'll move on i, d- I don't know how this is going to work you know when when shohei otani came here he was MLB ready as a hitter and a pitcher, but we haven't seen players go through the minor leagues as both. And my question simply becomes, what happens when one super exceeds the other? What happens when a player is ready to move on to double A as a hitter, but not as a pitcher yet? You know, and, and at what point does team needs, you know, what points you have to have difficult conversations with players and, and, How's that all going to work and shake out? I don't think we know yet. Another reason they really might want to have Shohei Otani there. But again, I don't know what the Giants' ultimate endgame with this is because where are these guys going to play? Are, are they going to play in the field and pitch? Like, that would be even a step further than what Otani does now. Otani doesn't play in the field on those four days. He just pitches. True, but there also might be gathering 
these guys for trades. Yeah, yeah. Because, so you know, they can like, tell you one thing and be like, hmm, he's going to be some good trade mate later. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's a part of the whole thing. So why not look into it? You, you got to put it on the table as well. It's there for that reason. You absolutely do. All right. It'll be interesting to see how these two-way players shake out down the road. Yeah. I'm excited about it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm cautious about it because of what I just said. The development is going to be a little bit wonky. It's easier said than done. It's you know? not a straight line. No. You know, and and, and especially when you have bull. And, and like I said, what happens when one supersedes the other? By a significant margin, you're ready to go to the pros as a hitter, but you're you're still in, in single A or or. Or so as a pitch, what what happens? You know, do you just I remember when Otani's story was coming out? You know, he was doing two ways from a very early age. So it's not like he picked it up in high school and decided, oh, this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we got a minute and a half left here on the draft. So let's really quickly let's talk about pitching. I want to talk about pitching in this draft because we had some oddities in that regard as well. Number ten pick overall, Noble Meyer. Went to the Marlins. He's 6'5". He fits in right in with the Marlins pitching crew. 6'5", prep school player. So a high school pitcher. He was the only high school pitcher taken in the first round. And what's notable about that is he is the first high school pitcher taken from Oregon in the last four years, but also from the same exact high school. Uh, it's called Jesuit High School in Portland. The Phillies took Mick Abel in 2020 as their first draft pick and the first high school pitcher taken in the 2020 draft he also went to portland's jesuit high school so i guess if you want to get into the majors you might want to consider transferring to port and jesuit high school if you are able no no pun intended mick all right uh, i thought that was really interesting it's uh meyer noble meyer was the only high school pitcher taken in the first round this year that has only happened one other time in the mlb drafts entire history and that was in 1984 so it's been almost 40 years since we've had a first round where only one high school pitcher was taken yeah a lot of hitters were taken yesterday a lot of hitters and a lot of i think a lot of high school players were ranked higher but more college players wound up going first and and maybe maturity was looked at i don't know i, I don't know the all age, the exact reasons for this i think the age has yeah to do a, with age it. goes right along with maturity though mm-hmm. you know so it, it's it's kind of interesting i think maybe teams are looking at the success of guys like ellie de la cruz and corbin carroll and saying like look we want guys that are quick to the majors so that they can start impacting our team sooner sure it also depends where the team is like noble meyer is is years away from pitching in a marlins game you know definitely he's just graduated high school he's got to go through the minors you know he's got to sign he might he might not sign he might go to college you don't know and that's and that's a number 10 pick i mean yeah he looks excited and ready to go play major league baseball but at the end of the day there's no ink on a contract right now it's just like every other sport these guys have to sign with their teams and they'll hold out for the most money, and they're going to get an agent today and whatever. Maybe they already do. I don't know. Um, but the point is, is someone's going to start negotiating for their money on their behalf. And if it's not the right deal for this person, for this kid, and they can get, and, and their agent says, hey, man, go pitch a year in college, and I can get you more money, they might do that. Some oh. might. Definitely some might. That's just the nature of the business and the nature of the game. So. It's interesting uh, to speculate, you know, because a lot of these guys were so pumped up, excited to be playing, and unfortunately, they might not know till later. Well, 
I have one last pitching nugget from the draft that I found very interesting, and that's because I'm a lefty, and I was a pitcher in high school, but this was credited to Cespedes Barbecue Duo on Twitter, and this was, he pointed out, the first draft since 1978 in which no college left-handed pitchers were taken in the first round. So we have more than 40 years of drafts where a college left-handed starting pitcher was taken in the first round and this was the first one since 1978 where one was not as a lefty i found that fascinating they still have trouble finding left-handed pitchers huh maybe they don't have as many i mean do i need to do i need to go dust off the shoulder a little bit over here i mean you're missing out i'm 41 but i am in the best shape of my life mind you so well you might have to go to a draft Dad wants me to be an umpire. What about pitcher, Dad? No, you can't be an ump. You need to be yelling at people, not the Yeah, I should be the coach. Yeah. I need to be the manager yelling. Yeah, I would definitely be good at that. Yeah. If anyone needs a, a good mouthpiece. You'd be a great manager. All right. So the draft is in the books. Uh, we have rounds continuing to go through today and tomorrow, but the first two rounds are in the books, and there's a lot of picks, and there's a lot of players, so... Be sure to go check out your player, Padres. We didn't mention drafted someone named Dylan Head from Illinois, actually. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to give a special shout out to Dylan Head and say, hey, you're not alone. Nika and I are two Friar faithful from Illinois as well. So welcome to the family. Yeah, Dylan the Homewood, Homewood Flossmore High School. Exactly. I have no idea where Flossmore is. I, I, I've, I remember hearing Homewood during prep sports when I lived there and when I was a kid, but I couldn't point it out on a map right now, unfortunately. Okay. More. No, no, no clue. He is a fast kid, it looked like, on the uh, on the meters. I mean, they have all the rankings for the players. He looked like he had some speed. So always love to see that, especially in the new modern game. He's a speedy runner. It says true 80 runner. So he does. I saw comparisons athletically to like someone like CJ Abrams, and I just hope he's a little bit better of a hitter. Okay. That's all. But you never know with these guys right now. It's way too early, especially him. Okay, that's all I got for the draft. You got anything else? No. All right. Derby. Good night. Today we have a derby. We, we talked about all the entrants in the derby, but I really quickly wanted to remind everyone of the rules and the format for tonight. If you're going to plan on watching the Home Run Derby, the festivities get kicked off at 8 Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. The Home Run Derby is on ESPN. We have... Four matchups to get it going. Luis Robert versus Adley Rushman. Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez. Mookie Betts versus Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And Adolis Garcia is taking on Randy Rosarena. The big thing that stands out about this list to me is the six contestants versus just the two NL contestants. And no Juan Soto defending his title from last year. So it'll be a brand new home run champion this year. This is a single elimination bracket system, and there's three rounds total. So basically, it just starts with eight. It goes down to four and goes down to two. So today is the time for you to change your brackets if you want to. Yes. So there is a contest that goes along with this that you can participate in, and it's called the T-Mobile Home Run Derby Bracket Challenge. And if you go to MLB.com slash bracket, you can enter in and you can have a chance to win $100,000. How do you do that? Well, you have to predict the results of the Home Run Derby. And I don't think you have to like do the specific amount of homers or anything. You just have to pick the correct bracket. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be more than one person that picks the right bracket because there's only eight teams. It's not like there's 64 like in the NCAA tournament or anything here. I'm sorry. I said teams, didn't I? I meant eight 
entry entrance at eight people. So, but anyways, go have some fun with that. Go predict who's going to win. And I just wanted to recap the rules really quick so that you might have the best chance of picking who you think is going to win. Now, the first and second round of the tournament are three minutes per round. And the final round is two minutes. The clock starts with the release of the first pitch and the round ends when the timer strikes zero. A home run will count as long as the pitch was released prior to the timer hitting zero. So if the ball's not in the hand of the batting practice pitcher, if it's left his hand, it will count. If the ball is still in his hand and the timer goes off, it will not count. Okay. It should be noted, this is I'm reading this directly from MLB.com, by the way. So if that sounds manufactured a little bit, I apologize, but I wanted to give correct Wait, Those are the rules. Yeah, it says, it should be noted that once the second player in a given round exceeds the home run total of his opponent, the round ends. There is no need for a player to add to his tally. After the first round, the winner of the Robert Rushman matchup, so that's Luis Robert and Adley Rushman, will meet the winner of Luis Garcia and Arandi Rosarena. So if you look at the bracket, they're right underneath them, but they are, it's like one and eight. Everyone's ranked. It's mm -hmm. typical stuff here. You know, the first seed and the second seed aren't, lined up next to each other so it kind of works out like that so you have two and three next to each other and one and four next to each other that's how a typical tournament works great hope you're following along with me at home and now there is no reseeding by the way so if the number eight seed upsets the number one seed it's not gonna like reshuffle and 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 be like okay now we're gonna like reline you up again just stays the it's way it like is like the met uh march madness yeah it's the same as NCAA. okay so we mentioned the three minutes in the rounds. Um, there's bonus time that exists in these rounds. 30 seconds of extra time will be granted to each batter at the conclusion of each regular period. A hitter can earn an additional 30 seconds of bonus time, giving him 60 seconds total if he hits at least two home runs that equal or exceed 440 feet. No, so they have to go. You have to hit some bombs. Bombs. The bonus period will be... 30 or 60 seconds in a single timed segment with no timeouts. Player is given a short break between his regulation period and his bonus period. And during the bonus period, a special T-Mobile magenta ball will be used. Yay. Cool. We're big fans of T-Mobile over here. If you don't have T-Mobile, um, I would highly recommend it. It has been the least stressful cell phone experience of my life. Thanks for the ad. No problem. Now, when it comes to the clock, players are allowed to call one timeout. It will last for 45 seconds each, and they cannot use their timeout during the bonus period. But they are entitled to one timeout during each round that they played. Okay. Ties in any round will be broken by a 60-second swing-off with no stoppage of time or additional time added. So there's no bonus time if we go to, like, bonus baseball like, or oh, bonus yeah. home run derby. So if there's a tiebreaker, if, if two guys are tied... They each get another minute. If they tie remains, then they will just get three swings until there's a winner. Okay. It will become a basically a best of three swings. There's only one, one of those in history, it looks like. Uh, or I don't know. I'm not going to get into all that. Okay, skip. All right. The money. This is the last thing I want to say. Now, as part of an agreement that was reached prior to the 2019 season, the Home Run Derby prize pool was increased from 725000 to $2.5 million with the winner taking home a million bucks of their own. So basically, whoever wins this thing tonight gets gets in a million dollar bonus on their check. Oh yeah, that's great. They included inflation. They did. So 
Good job for that. Now, I believe some of this other prize money goes to good causes and things like that. Fair enough. Take a look at that if you are interested about that. But I always think it's fun when there's money on the line. It definitely means they'll be trying. No yeah. one, that's a million bucks. A million great, bucks is a million bucks. It's Money is a great incentive. That's always. All right. All right. That's going to do it for the home run derby rules so if you're tuning in tonight enjoy the show it's a show you know they're there to put on a show so enjoy it i'm sorry we have to watch it on espn thanks okay and in light of that it's time to move on and get on with our day that's the end of the show are you signing off i'm signing off uh we'll be back here on wednesday to recap this home run derby and the all-star game as well in the meantime if you want to get a hold of us you can email us at kanika daily at gmail.com or you can find us on social media and interact with us. Uh, all you have to do is look for Kanika Baseball. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, etc., etc., etc. You know the drill. Please find us, subscribe to us, like us. It really helps us out a lot, and we are definitely going to be on the air with you throughout the month of July, throughout all this madness, throughout all the craziness, and we're going to get there. All right, that's going to do it. I'm going to sign off. And Nika here signing off. See you guys on Wednesday. Okay. Have a good one. Bye. Adios.